This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin is brought to you by Stoke Seeds. Select from the finest quality vegetable and flower seed at stokeseeds.com and get growing with Stokes. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. I'm Dean Holland, the newest little transplant in the garden of Charlie Dobbin. How are you this morning, Charlie? Excellent, beautiful, crisp, clear morning at my house. Yeah, me as well. Lots of sh- snow up here in Collingwood and, and Prince Edward County is the same, yes? Absolutely. Well, probably not as much as you because we have so much wind. I think a lot of it blew away. <laughs> right. Yeah, we know we have lots and lots and lots and lots up here, which is making the skiing fantabulous. I bet. Yeah. So so what have you had going on there? And oh, well, you know what? Before you do that, I'm gonna give the numbers because okay. we'd love to hear from you, okay? Uh anywhere in Toronto, four one six three six zero zero seven four zero or toll free anywhere in the province of Ontario, uh one eight six six seven four zero Four seven four zero. We'd love you to call often. We'd love you to call early and and one question per call, please. And uh, if you are a first time caller, please do let Carlos know because we will make sure we give you your garden wings. Okay, yeah. So what do you got going there, Charlie? So, yeah, busy week. Spring is in the air, uh, even despite all the snow and the cold weather. I participated, and I just want to let people know, many of our listeners will remember Stephen and Emma Biggs, father-daughter gardening duo. Emma is 16 years old. She's a tomato grower, uh, excellent, and uh, her and her dad have a podcast called the food garden life show and uh, it is podcast on all the regular platforms you know apple spotify etc so i spent a half an hour with them on their podcast this past week talking about food growing food and ornamentals together and how to incorporate uh you know edible uh, gardens and and ornamental gardens all into one without looking like just a big rectangle yeah uh, also talked about gardening in a wind tunnel just to share a bit about what i deal with here and uh some upcoming events quickly before we have to go to a break one is uh remember the riverdale garden club will be meeting next week on wednesday the February the 7th, February the 7th, am I right? No. Yes, February the 9th. And that's at 7 p.m. Their person who will be speaking to them is Joanna Blanchard, 15 Ways to Garden Large in Small Spaces. And that's can be, you can join into that Zoom event by sending a note to info at riverdalehorticultural.ca. Same night, I will be virtually up in your neighborhood, Dean, with the Collingwood Garden Club. Nice. I'll be speaking on the subject of grass to gorgeous, 7.30 p.m. So if you'd like to join in to, with me and the Collingwood Garden Club uh, this coming Wednesday, just send a quick note to Collingwood Garden Club 2015 at gmail.com. Okay. Uh, just quickly, one more thing before we go to the break. Yeah. 
want to remind everybody, we have Paul Oliver joining us in about 15 minutes, and he will be sharing tips and techniques on loving the birds. Absolutely. Now, we have to go to a quick break. We'll be right back. And I have callers on the line, including a special someone who we'll get to right after this. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back. And I want to give you those numbers very quickly and start calling in with your bird questions because, of course, in about five minutes or so, Paul Oliver from Urban Nature Store will be with us on the line. Uh, 416-360-0740 in Toronto or anywhere in the province of Ontario, 1-866-740-4740. Charlie, I got a treat for you. I got Frankie on the line. Good morning, Frank. Hey, good morning, Dean. How are you? I'm well, buddy. How are, how's That's retirement? Right. Well, listen, I just wanted to call in to say hi to both of you because yesterday I had the pleasure of having a chat with Charlie, and she related to me uh, one of the great <laughs> little stories of rural Canada. Uh, out on her farm there in Prince Edward County, romance was in the air. Charlie, <laughs> uh, first of all, good morning. Good morning, Frankie. <laughs> so, uh, tell the folks the story about the foxes. <laughs> okay. All right, Dean doesn't know this story either. No. no. This is last Sunday morning. I'm in my kitchen making a coffee, looking out the window, and I saw a fox in the backyard, which is not that unusual. And then, lo and behold, I saw two foxes. And what happened was they started... They were like playing. They were running and jumping and leaping through the snow like like impala. I mean, like antelope. It was beautiful watching them. And I have a, a dog bowl, an electric heated dog bowl outside for the birds. But, of course, the foxes know about it. So they were drinking out of the bowl and they're happily playing. And it was so entertaining. And then all of a sudden <laughs> spring and and love came about, and before you know it, they were having hot sex in my Oh, my they were getting a little foxy, were they? <laughs> exactly. And not just once, but three times. Count oh. it. Three oh. times. Wow. <laughs> what a way to start my morning. <laughs> I, oh, that's I great. Did, <laughs> I just imagined that you've got a Lothario there with a kind of a velvet jacket and a smoking, you know, uh, with his with, with very white singing in the background very white and and with valentine's next weekend how appropriate exactly it was so perfect (laughs) i won't keep you guys i know there are other folks wanting to get through in the line but i just had to call and say hi (laughs) thinking of all the the folks that we used to touch bases with on the uh, garden show so to each and every one of you maureen uh paul and all all the rest uh, all the very yeah. best to you. And uh, I just, I just want to say one more time, I love you, Charlie. Oh, love you too, Frankie. Nice to hear your voice, and I'm sure all the listeners are pleased to hear your voice as well. Yeah, thanks for the call, Frank. Okay, Dean. Yeah, thanks, for, here, thanks for notching up the temperature here in my studio, about 17 <laughs> degrees. i got to open a window now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Have a good one. Okay. <laughs> Bye, Frank. Uh, thanks, Frank. <laughs> I think, wow, 
with that, we uh, we have to take another break. But <laughs> we will be right back. Cool off. <laughs> yeah. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back. I'm Dean Holland, and uh, I was saying to Charlie on the break that, holy cow, because of <laughs> Frank and because of Paul coming on the show, this show is all about the birds and the bees and the foxes. <laughs> We've got a whole different direction on the garden show today. Come on. So, we like biodiversity, right? We That's do. What this is all about. It's Absolutely. all about diverse life. Yeah, it's all about fertilization this week. <laughs> <laughs> pollination. Okay. Fertilization. You, pollination. You, you should introduce Mr. Oliver, my, I my dear. I will. I will like to introduce Paul. Oliver to all of our listeners. Many of you will know him. He's been a, he's been on the show a number of times. He's the principal of the Urban Nature Store, which actually has very many stores across Ontario. There's about six of them, I think. The website, of course, is urbannaturestore.ca. And the Urban Nature Store is Canada's birding store. So my my local is in Kingston, but there are a few in the uh, Toronto area as well. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. How are you guys today? Excellent. Yeah, nice. we're great. So, so great you could place. join us. Well, it's my pleasure to be here to talk about my little free, or my little feathered friends who I love to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Start talking. What, what's new and exciting in the world of birding? Well, one of the things we often at this time of the year get asked by customers is about how to help their, their birds during the wintertime. Um, and uh, especially when we get a lot of snow uh, down there. And there are a few things I really encourage people to do is, is first make sure that their feeder is filled. Fill it with as much fatty, rich food. We're not talking about Weight Watcher uh, ladies here. We're talking about uh, little birds that want as much energy as they can get as quickly as possible. And so uh, in my feeder, I use uh, um, a lot of sunflower hearts, de-shelled, mm. get just everything that they can consume and they can consume a hundred percent of it. And the other I have, thing to add I have some of that too actually it's like a no waste or no mess feed. Yeah. So there's no shells. But yeah, it's a lovely mix of, of like you say sunflower hearts and peanut to... pieces and all kinds of really fat nuts. Yes. Yeah. Really? Uh, and the other thing I also encourage people to do is add suet at this time of the year. Either put a traditional suet feeder out uh, but the other thing is, even if you've just got a regular feeder or a platform feeder, just add a little to the suet nuggets, which is just very high fatty, um, high energy food for the uh, birds at this time of the year. Um, but the other thing I also really encourage people to do is, especially after we've had some snow or as even a bit of ra- uh, freezing rain, is to clear their feeders out. If they've got a platform feeder, make sure that the snow is brushed away so that the birds can find the food. Uh, but the other thing that I notice a lot of people forget to do is when you have squirrel-proof feeders and they, they move up and down to close the port uh, or the perches where the uh, birds feed, is sometimes you'll get a lot of weight on those and they'll close and the birds will be standing there trying to find the food and the port is already closed. So just right, they're almost frozen. Ice, uh, um, and that I, I noticed actually when I got home last night, my uh, uh feeder at the front of the house was just closed a little bit and the, the little uh, feathered guys were all lined up waiting for it to be opened <laughs> up and uh, filled up for them. So uh, uh, just a, that little extra thing at this time of the year because the, the birds spend a lot of time trying to find food. They are spending a lot of energy just staying warm out there and especially when we've got that freezing rain and it's uh, covered off a lot of their natural food sources. 
that little human-assisted feeding is really, really important to the little guys. Yeah, good points. What about water? Birds need water too, right? Yes, water is really important. It's one of those things that we often forget about because we say, oh, yeah, we're close to the lake. We've got a river or a stream uh, coming through. Um, but birds drink water during the winter. And the other thing that the birds actually do is they actually bathe in it in the middle of the winter. Um, and uh, some people will put out heated bird baths, which are great. Um, we always get a few customers calling in after they've put out their bird baths and they see the birds out there, that the birds are actually uh, frolicking in the, ba- the water and they're afraid that they're going to get uh, cold or something like that. They actually do that to actually stay warm. It helps them align their feathers, produces some oils on their feathers so that they can actually stay warmer. Um, but if, if people don't have a heated bird bath, that's fine. What I actually suggest is just early in the morning, um, take a, a, a shallow bowl, bowl of water, put it out in a sunny spot in your backyard, and for two or three hours, the birds can actually use it before it freezes up on them, and they can use it for drinking. Um, sure, they can they can uh, they can uh, eat uh, snow and that, but the the problem when they do that is they use up a lot of energy um, to just metabolize that and the. Well. We we want them to use as little bit of energy as possible so that they can actually uh, spend the rest of the time actually just uh, doing their feeding and uh, and getting around or that. Yeah, Paul, we have people up here in Collingwood that do the same thing. It's called hot tubs. They they, they like to go outside and frolic in those in the winter too. So. Yeah, well, the, 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 a lot of people think of the uh, bird baths as a little warm hot tub for the birds. It just actually just keeps the water just from freezing. So it's it's a, probably a little cold for us to try to dive into. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, Paul or Charlie, do you want to take – got a couple of callers on the line, and uh, yeah. not, they could have a bird question. Why don't we check in with uh, uh, Gabriella? Why don't we check in with her and see? She's sure. calling from Richmond Hill. How are you this morning, Gabriella? I'm very well, thank you. How's everybody? Good morning to every one of you. Good morning. Good morning. We're all well, yeah. That's wonderful. Uh, My question is, I love birds, I love animals, but actually my question is for my um, cactus. I have a Christmas cactus. I have four of them, actually. Three, they they bloom beautifully. One, every year it blooms, but this year it doesn't bloom. I don't know what I did wrong. I'm, I'm treating them all the same. The only one, the three of them, I have them in my cell room, and the other one doesn't bloom, didn't bloom yet. I have it in my hallway in the house. Um, I don't know. That's a question for Charlie. I don't know what the, what should I do to get the blooms. Somebody said put the coffee ground, but I put fertilize and uh, water normally, um, but doesn't give me no flowers. Yeah, so don't be doing any more fertilizing. Do keep watering as required. Make sure it's in as much sun as you've got, the brightest spot in the house. And it's okay if it's cool at night. The Christmas cactus, I find, very much respond to temperature differences when it comes to blooming. So if it uh, if your house cools off at night, like many people will turn the furnace down, etc., that actually is a great way to uh, instigate uh, flower buds on Christmas cactus. So you may find that that will make a difference. And you know what? It could just be that it'll be a little slower than the others for whatever reason. Uh, and sometimes uh, plants just miss a year. They'll bloom like crazy one year and then miss a season. And we see that outside in the orchards and many, many flowering plants will have a big year of bloom and then a year of very little bloom. So it's part. It's actually pretty normal physiology for plants to sort of run in cycles in terms of the amount of blooms they even form. 
All right. This one, I've been okay, great. Swatch over 10 years. I bloom every oh, year. Nice. Every year, I bring them out in the spring, I bring them in in the fall, and I put yeah. a, every time in the same spot in my hallway. I have a big skylight. There's a lot of light, and I don't juggle the temperature. I keep always in the same, and never yeah. no problem. Just this year, somehow, I don't yeah. get no flowers. Well, keep, okay, so I would try... Um, Threaten it and then <laughs> let me know how that works in about two weeks. Call back and let us know. I think you'll find it will come along. Okay. Thanks, Thanks very much, Gabriella. Fabulous. Uh, we're going to go right to uh, Yasmin in Hamilton. Uh, Yasmin has a question for Paul. Good morning, Yasmin. Hey, good morning. How are you, Yasmin? Oh, no, maybe Yasmin. we lost her. Yeah. Maybe there. we lost her. Appears to be there. Oh, yeah. lost. Oh. Oh, well. Uh, let's try Mike. In uh, Mike is calling from uh, Dorchester. How are you this morning, sir? I'm doing good. I have a question for your guest. Fabulous. Pardon me. We put out bird feed regular. Every year, I all kinds of birds, multiple, until the beginning of December, then every bird stopped coming. Uh, a couple of things that may may be causing that. Um, the first thing I normally suggest is if you've got a lot of birds coming and then they all of a sudden disappear, is take a look around for a predator bird. Um, a lot of times what it is is a predator uh, bird has found the feeder um, and the songbirds are scared because uh, the predator is there. Um, so sometimes what I suggest is if you get a predator bird, you may want to take your feeder down for a couple of weeks. The predator bird disappears. Um, and then when you put the feeder back up, uh, you'll, you'll get the songbirds coming back. Um, well, the other thing that I mean, may I also mean, be not is not even a predator just... bird at the feeder. Nothing. Me? There's been nothing at the feeder. No predator yeah. birds or whatever. I've yeah, had hawks be. in the backyard in previous years. They come and then they leave and then the birds come back. But this has been almost two months. Nothing. No predators, yeah, nothing going to the could, bird feeder. Yeah, and it could be that you've got a predator bird sitting in one of the uh, uh, trees up high that's watching the feeder or is coming by the feeder every once in a while, um, like a hawk or an owl or, or something uh, like that. The other thing is sometimes is if you're close by, you may also uh, have um, uh, a lot of uh, just a lot of competition for food. Um, a lot of other people may have put up feeders in the fall to do that, but my guess is it's probably a predator bird has shown up and scared the, the um, uh, younger birds as well than the songbirds away. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks very much there, uh, Mike. Uh, we have uh, Yasmin back on the line. Yeah, we got we got her back calling from Hamilton. So, uh, uh, Yasmin, how are you today? This... Good sunny morning to you folks. Yeah, thank you as you. well, hon. Thank you. You got a question? You got a question, question for Paul? For Paul, I have about four or five bird feeders that I put out with the black sunflower seeds. Um, the squirrels knock a lot of the seeds on the ground, and I seem to be feeding not only uh, a menagerie of birds, but uh, a, a host of little mice that that seem very happy with all the seed on the ground. What do I do? Yeah, that's the case where a lot of people switch over to sunflower hearts, where you're not getting um, the shells falling to the ground, um, and you don't also get the birds going, trying to open a shell, can't open it quickly, so they just toss the seed over the side and onto the ground. Um, What I find is, particularly in my squirrel-proof feeders, is using sunflower hearts, the amount of seed that falls to the ground 
dramatically drops because the birds eat 100% of it when it's at the feeder, and then you're not getting anything that falls to the ground to attract the squirrels or uh, other uh, rodents that you uh, you may have um, that would be drawn to the, the shells or to the uh, to the seed that's unopened uh, there. Um, so you can squirrels also don't eat uh, the, uh, the shelled the um, sunflower seeds. Pardon me. Squirrels will not eat the shelled sunflower seeds. Well, what often happens is when you put black oil in, the birds eat the inside of the shell, and then they toss the sh- uh, shell. They eat the heart, but they toss the shell to the ground. And okay. just the idea of food being there will draw squirrels and other animals to the uh, area under it uh, by eliminating that stuff that falls down uh, by using something like sunflower hearts, which is de-shelled, and it um, doesn't have any of the, that waste on it. Um, because it is not falling to the ground, there's no attraction then for the uh, other uh, animals to come to it. Um, if you're actually getting the squirrels going to the feeder, the other seeds you can actually switch over to that uh, helps uh, control the squirrels is uh, something like safflower, same size as sunflowers. Not as popular with most of the birds, but, for example, cardinals love it. So I put it in my platform feeder for the pair of cardinals I have. Um, uh-huh. But it has a very bitter taste when the squirrels try to eat it or the mice or the rats or that to try to eat it. They get a very bitter taste, so they stay okay. away from it. Too. But I, I would probably suggest the sunflower hearts is probably going to solve your problem. And and if I can jump in, one of the things I love about the Sunflower Hearts um, bird feed is that you don't get that mess on the ground below. So in the spring, you don't have to replant your lawn and rake out all the debris that has fallen. It's perfect beneath the feeder. It's, It's very tidy. I like it a lot. Okay, okay. I'll have to look for that. I think with feeding, you know, with with having four or five feeders, it, uh, it, it does get a bit expensive, so I would have to look into that, too. Yeah, the one thing you'll find with sunflower hearts is 10 pounds of sunflower hearts is about the equivalent of what you would normally use as about 30 pounds of black oil, just because oh, okay. of the amount of okay. stuff that gets tossed to the ground and all the extra shell that the birds aren't eating and they're just tossing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll try that because I do like to have a variety, and I do get a variety of birds, not just cardinals. I mean, I get the whole lot, and then I have suet feeders, and I have the woodpeckers, and the um, little nuthatches coming to that too. So it's it's beautiful to watch. Yeah, and with fabulous, Yasmin. Thank you so much for your call. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Calling. Bye. Um, Paul, uh, that must be an ongoing uh, an ongoing issue. I know I, I did some reading uh, months ago about how to uh, sort of squirrel proof a lot of feeders. Yeah, it's, it's what I uh, there are lots of great squirrel proof feeders out on the market. Um, just need to make sure that they're proper lusted or that. But I also um, say it's the two twelve uh, inch rule is make sure that the feeder is hanging out by itself from a pole or a fence or anything like that. Um, so the end that from where the squirrel can hang to reaching the feeder port needs to be at least 12 inches. Um, and therefore they can't actually hang out the top of the feeder and still feed into it or things like that. So if you hit the 212, 212 inch rule, you'll have a pretty effective squirrel proof feeder. Okay, fabulous. Uh, I've got another caller uh, with a question for you, Paul. We're going to, uh, to the city of St. Catharines now to who's good morning, Rose. Good morning, and uh, hi, Paul. Very nice to uh, hear you this morning. And, Good morning. Um, 
I'm an avid shopper at your Urban Nature store here in St. Catharines. Wonderful. And um, Kim and Chris are, are great in the store. They work in the store, and they're always very helpful for me. And I love buying. I, I get the shelled sunflower seeds there as well as the millet, and I like the peanut has. They're, they're a very uh, popular addition to my bird feeders as well as for the squirrels because, of course, I can't leave them out nature where, where birds go all nature tries to follow right and um my question to you this morning though is i also put um the 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 peanuts in the shell up for my woodpeckers nut hatches hatches that come around but i also have suet feeder but i'm finding when it gets very cold they don't even go to that because it seems like if i put my finger and my nail in it it's frozen solid um, do you have any suggestions for that? Yeah, and in particular, when you get really cold, cold weather, both the seed will freeze as well as the uh, suet. Um, and what I actually suggest is using some of the suets that have a higher fat content. So if you look in the store, you'll actually see some suets that have, uh, like our summer suets, or that will accommodate high temperatures in the summer. Those are the ones I generally avoid during the winter because they're actually designed so that they don't melt in the in the um, in the summer, but they also freeze quicker in the fall or in the winter. Um, there's a line that we actually carry that's actually made here right here in Ontario, Mill Creek suet. It's very, very high and rich in fatty um, uh, content, um, and that's the one I actually switch over to in the winter time. And in the really cold winter, I actually find that it'll even freeze at night time. Uh, but what I try to do is hang my suet feeder so that it gets that morning sun, and that little bit of morning sun just sort of warms it up a little bit um, and helps the uh, the birds uh, be able to peck through the first uh, inch or so of of it, even if it's been uh, out over the uh, night and it's become quite hard. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for your, for your help. I also, what I did last week when I was in the store, I purchased those little round peanut nuggets which have fat in it. And I find they're great. I'll take a handful and sometimes I'll just crumble them up a little bit and I'll throw them because I do put seed on the ground as well for my birds that like to eat on the ground, right? Like my morning doves and the cardinals like to go down there. And also the sparrows do that and, and all the other ones. But And I'll do that, and I find that is good because that's still at warm temperature in the house, and I'll just take a handful of those nuggets and throw them out. Yeah. So that's a wonderful that's, thing that your store carries. You. Yes, those were the uh, suet nuggets that I was uh, mentioning early that you yes. can just mix right into your feeders. They work great in platform feeders. Um, and a lot of people like yourself uh, just sprinkle some of them on the ground for our ground feeding birds in the uh, morning. It's their morning breakfast treats that they love. Yeah, wow. thank you so much. Good information. <clears throat> thank okay, you thanks. So much. Yeah, thanks for the call, Rose. Yeah, uh, and, and Paul, we're unfortunately going to have to let you go. <clears throat> Excuse me, but I want to really thank you for sharing some of your great uh, knowledge. We clearly have some serious birders on the garden show. <laughs> yes, yes. And just before I go, I wanted to let your uh, listeners know that if they go to the urbannaturestore.ca website this morning, very top of it, there's a black banner there, and there's an area where they can enter a secret code. If they click on that secret code and enter the secret word of snow, everyone can remember Ooh. snow, um, and they, we will actually send everyone a $10 uh, gift card that they can use either online at urbannaturestore.ca or in any of our uh, eight uh, store locations. Sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much. And is that just good for today to put birdie. in the word snow? 
Uh, the word is snow. But it will, and does that only work today for the gift certificate, or is that uh, going to stay up on your site? Yeah, so it'll uh, be up there until uh, Sunday evening. Yeah, and uh, but you, you can go. use the gift card at any time. Once you enter it, it'll be sent to you, and you can use it whenever you want to visit one of the stores or uh, uh, take a look at products on, online at urbannaturestore.ca. Oh, I'll be getting one of those for sure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm in there too. That's great. Thanks so much, Paul. It's been uh, you, a you're day. a wealth of knowledge. My pleasure. Thank you. Talk okay. again soon. Great. Okay, uh, so we have to go to a break, uh, but when we come back, I do have a caller on the line. Okay, we'll be right back. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. We are back here for The Garden Show. And I'm going to give those numbers out again because we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions. And uh, we're all waiting here. 416-360-0740 in the Toronto area or anywhere else in the province of Ontario. 1-866-740-4740. And that is a toll-free call. And I do have, um, I have Dan on the line and he is, he's calling in from Brampton. How are you this morning, Dan? Hi, good. How are you? guys doing i'm well yeah oh i guess i I had a question for paul but i can ask anyway i guess uh i have a bird feeder i put out about a month ago and i haven't had any birds come visit it (laughs) and i welcome to my world it takes a little while for the birds to find your feeders oh okay yeah, yes, like, are you in a like sort of the suburban part of Brampton, or more outside the town, the city? Well, it's it's in the suburb. Yeah, it's a big backyard, yeah. but they're they're hiding. I find it makes a difference if some of your other neighbors are feeding, and then the birds will be you know flittering and fluttering around the area. But when I moved right. here, where I'm on a quite a large lot, and it's all wild birds, like nobody has fed a bird in my neighborhood, and. 5,000 years, so it's taken uh, it's taken a little while for the birds to find the feeders. It was not instant by any means, and um, here I am two and a half years later, and I still only have chickadees, finches, and juncos, and yeah, morning doves. I have a, oh, some woodpeckers. Like, it's quite limited. I'm still, I'm going to put out more feeders around the yard and expand my feeding locations. And maybe that would make a difference for you, too. The more feeders. And remember, you want your feeders near shelter, like near something where they can get, be safe from a hawk or something like that. So you always want yeah. that sort of cedar hedge about 10 feet away or, you know, big evergreen, something. Because my, my feeding station right now is quite exposed. And so I think that's part of the reason Many of the birds do not want to be out and exposed at my feeders, only the really brave ones. Oh, okay. All right, be, okay, so I'll, be, I'll yeah, be, be patient. <laughs> yeah, we'll wait for them to come by. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Dan. Yeah, okay, thank you. Guys. And don't forget to pick up your $10 gift certificate from the urbannaturestore.ca. $10 gift certificate for anybody who puts in the secret code SNOW. Yeah, and that's between now and Sunday, I guess, at Morning. midnight. It'll be on over the weekend. Uh, now, Charlie, before you moved out to Prince Edward County, were were you a birder or did you have feeders in your yard prior to your move? 
I did. Yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. Well, it's all part of that whole biodiversity and I brought my feeders with me. So, um, but I had a lot of cardinals in my last home because Mm -hmm. I was quite a protected suburban lot. So it started with a pair and you heard Paul refer to a pair of cardinals because they meet forever. But then I had two pairs and then I had three pairs and then I had four pairs. So I had quite a flock of cardinals, but they had a cedar hedge close by. And on really, really cold days, it was so sweet because they tucked their little bodies into the hedge where the sun was hitting the south side of the hedge. So the sun was warming them up, but they were protected inside the hedge. And they were like little red ornaments in the green hedge. It was really, really pretty. Um, and so, yeah, I know I, I'm a huge fan of feeding the birds, but I'm a real neophyte at, at knowing what bird is who. I only know the real regular ones. Like we have lots of blue jays here and they are so loud. <laughs> Yeah. Now, so my question was, I mean, did you feed them all year round? Because it's always seemed to me that, you know, the more important time of the year to to feed them is during the winter, because I figured it's it's harder to find food. But do, do you do it all year round? I do, but you're absolutely right. If you're going to feed in the winter, you have to maintain and be consistent with feeding because they will, they, you know, they always say they will rely on you. And that makes sense that if you become, you know, the local takeout restaurant for the bird population, then you've got to make sure you're open all the time in the winter. The summer is not that important. Uh, I did generally feed in the summer as well. And of course, the squirrels were so entertaining. I mean, the squirrels, I mean, um, Paul was talking about the 12 inch rule, but I had squirrels it felt like they were like flying squirrels they would (laughs) i had like tomato cages in the garden that were left over from the summer and the tomatoes yeah and they would literally fly from a tomato cage to the feeders which were (laughs) definitely more than 12 inches away and i couldn't get the cages out because they were frozen in the ground so i thought hmm i went out there in the middle of winter with vaseline and i vaseline to the 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 tomato cages so the squirrels could not jump from the cages to the bird feeders they just went flop onto the ground it was pretty funny it's uh, like having a little circus in your backyard (laughs) okay we uh we have to take another quick break and then uh, i think we have a caller on the line okay we will be right back daffodils and daisies bluebells and begonias forsythia and foxgloves marigolds magnolia lavender and lupins dahlias delphiniums stalks fox hollyhocks tulips and sweet williams you've picked the right place for everything floral this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio Hey, welcome back. I'm Dean Holland, and I'm here with Charlie Dobbin. Charlie in her home studio in Prince Edward County, and I'm up in Collingwood today. And uh, we have, uh, yeah, uh, we have Barb on the line calling from Aiden. How are you this morning, Barb? Oh, hi. I'm okay. What about you? We're good. We're good. We're we're warmer than the birds are, I think, because we're inside. (laughs) I was just wondering what would be the best uh, bird feed for to attract cardinals? Ah, good question. So Paul alluded to that when he was here with us. Probably should have kept him on till the end of the show because there was a lot of questions. Maybe next time. Safflower. So S. How is that spelled? I tried Sam. to find that and I couldn't find. How is that spelled? S as in Sam. Uh-huh. A. F as in Frank. 
and then the word flower, so safflower. Oh, and it okay. looks a lot like he suggested, like like um, sunflower hearts. So like a sunflower, the, the inside part of the sunflower without the shell. Uh-huh. Um, cardinals love safflower and very few other birds do. So it's an excellent way to attract cardinals. Once they know it's there, they will come in droves and they will just keep coming because they love safflower their beaks are designed specifically to to break into the safflower seed well safflower grain other birds can't get through it oh okay now would you just leave that uh just as a a single uh seed uh like food or would you mix it like with other mixed um, you could. Yeah, it depends on separate, well. It depends on your feeder, feeder bark. Cardinals will not eat out of a sil- uh, like a cylindrical feeder, the way you know the finches and the chickadees will. Cardinals are um, have evolved to eat off of flat surfaces like the ground, or as Paul mentioned, a platform feeder. So it's a flat, uh, literally a platform hanging from cables from a tree branch or wherever. And then they come in, they land, and then they peck at the ground or the platform surface. So basically what you do is you just spread the safflower out on that feeder. Uh, but for sure, you can always throw in a little bit of, as he was suggesting, little bits of suet or a little bit of sunflower seed. You can mix it up. Not a problem at all. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you so Great. much. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Barb. Okay. Thanks. Uh, Bye. Hey, so Charlie, do you, do you yeah. have any bird feeders at your place? Uh, you know what? I don't. I, I have to say it's something on my list to do. And, yeah. uh, and, and I have all that shelter that you've talked about in the back of the house where I, where I actually probably wouldn't put uh, the feeders. But we have like 10-foot high uh, cedar hedges. And I'm always seeing birds in there, inc- including some cardinals. Um, mm. And we have literally like 150 feet long of these, you know, these, these hedges. Right. And in the front, we also have shelter. We have a flowering crab. We have a couple of big blue spruces. Mm. And so I have the area to put it in. Um, but I just, I, I was doing some reading to figure out what type of feeders to put in, how to string them up so the squirrels can't get to them. So I'm mm. just not there yet. Well, and also you have a lot on your plate, Dean. You have you're still raising four children, and you're yeah. working multi jobs. So don't feel bad. You know, bird feeding is it's almost like being a parent again, but you do it once you don't have to be so on deck as a parent of teenagers. Yeah, that's and that's was kind of my thinking. I know during the lockdown, one of the things that I was considering doing, and again, it, you know, we. I guess we did other things, but I thought, oh, I should make some bird feeders with the kids, with my younger two. Um, and I, we just never got it done. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it's true. I have a lot on my plate right now. and uh, But I would really like to do it. My dad was an avid birder, which I think I mentioned last week. He loved the birds, and he loved to, to keep track of what was in his garden, and he loved all of that stuff. So there's a part of me, I think, that almost kind of wants to dabble around in it because my dad did. You will. You've got lots of time still. You're still a very young man. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> you need you need to email my kids. <laughs> you need to tell them. <laughs> I know. My kids think I was born when the dinosaurs were still roaming the earth. You, oh, yeah. You and me both. Yeah, yeah we were Yeah, from bedrock. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you got? Uh, I don't know that we have time for a, a diet. Uh, let's do a quick. We can do a quick email. Yeah, here. a quick one. 
Uh, so I have an email from Audrey in Kitchener who's talking about rejuvenating an old garden that she's used for about 40 years. She puts compost and manure on it each year, plus leaves in the fall. Uh, but the last few years, it hasn't done very good. It's used mostly for vegetables. And and she says, I'm getting too old to start a new garden. Uh, is it quite large? Or it is quite large. And maybe I don't have enough compost. Uh, what uh, uh, about topsoil? She's asking yeah. about topsoil. Yeah, so Audrey, I hear you. Do not start a new garden. I would work with what you've already got uh, because it's there now. The main thing is you want to rejuvenate. And one thing you can't go wrong with is adding organic matter. So whether it's composted manure or triple mix or your own homemade compost, you always can improve any soil with organic matter. So that's number one. But before you even get to the organic matter, do a, a soil test. You can do a soil test where you send the soil in to one of the ministry laboratories. It'll cost you about $65. Or you can say, no, I don't want to go that extreme. But you can get a home, some home soil tests. They're available at you know Canadian Tires, Home Hardwares. Home soil test, at least find out the pH of your soil. Find out a little bit about what the nutrient value is in your soil and get that organic matter cranked on. You want a pH of about 6.7. That's what you're aiming for. And organic matter will help you achieve that. So thanks for your for your letter. Thanks for your email. Thank you. Thank you, Carlos and Dean. You guys have been great. Thanks, Paul Oliver. Don't forget the code word snow. And next week, another special guest will be joining us. And many of you will remember Terry Kennedy from the Southern Ontario Orchid Society. She'll be here to talk about everything orchid just in time for Valentine's Day. See you then. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.